morning. And uh, oh, make sure I hold it up here, not down there, I've been told. You know, I had this um, thought on the way here. It's amazing, I know, look at me, I had a thought. Other than the fact that I'm wearing a curtain as a shirt. Um, you can shop at the same place. Uh, um, 25 years ago, almost to the day, was the first time I came and preached at this church. I know, I, I was four. But, um, yeah, I was doing Bible college in 1996. And uh, we had, at the end of the year, we had these treks uh, to different churches. And uh, I'm a bit awkward. Oh, I was going on Facebook, fantastic. Uh, and, and they took the student treks out to churches. One was here, one was the church at Redlands with uh, George Gebrin. And uh, there's a number of different churches. And we came out here for a Sunday night service. This building wasn't built, I don't think. We were out in the back hall. And, uh, and I spoke for the first time. And you still can't get rid of me. 25 years later, I think this is... Well, again, those people got the $20 notes, the ones that clapped. <laughs> the rest of you have got to start bribing a little bit earlier. But it's a great privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, when Pastor Phil rang and asked if I would come, he didn't tell me he wasn't going to be here. Uh, and... Um, then I found out he wasn't, and so I sent him a message on the front row when the first song was on. I said, sorry, can't make it this morning, I'm feeling sick. Uh, <laughs> then, I literally did, and then I waited till the second song to say, nah, just kidding, it's going off. So um, I don't know whether he's in reception and even got it, but I hope he reads the first one first and then has a heart attack, not literally. Um, but, you know, you've got to have fun in church, don't you? I don't think God is a sad God. I think, you know, the Bible actually says, he who sits in heaven laughs. And um, I've seen myself in front of the mirror with no clothes on. <laughs> and God made that. So he obviously laughs. Uh, so anyway, this is going well. <laughs> I, I had, oh, look, I, my mind just goes all sorts of places. I was having communion before, pulled the thing off the top trying to get the bread out found out it was wrapped in plastic so I just ate the whole thing <laughs> digest seven years it'll come through no I couldn't get it out and I broke the body of Christ again getting it out half of it's on the floor there if anyone wants seconds but it's amazing how life has changed for us in church life has changed for us in church who'd have thought we'd have been doing church online g'day everybody at home in your pajamas you know, I've watched your service a number of times. I log in. It's amazing how I can go to five different churches within five minutes. Just jam on. Don't like that song. I'll move across to this, this church. <laughs> but that wouldn't have happened this morning. Praise and worship was magnificent. And uh, it's been a while since... You got married since I was here last. You've got the same shoes on at the moment that you wore last time. <laughs> None. <laughs> you think your husband would buy you some shoes? Some of you who've never met me before are going, has this guy got anything to say? <laughs> Not really, I've just got one sheet of paper and I'm just waiting for the plane to land actually. No, that's right, I was talking about how church has changed. It really has. Like, you know, um, some things we take for granted. When I was uh, probably five years old, maybe a bit younger, I remember going to a church, well, yeah, Glad Tidings Tabernacle in Fortitude Valley. 
and it was really way out. They were way out. They had a piano on one side and they had an organ on the other side and they had drums. That was pretty wild back then. I mean, I'm about 90, so it was a long time ago. My, my dad was the drummer, um, Gary. He was the drummer, so if he comes next time, ask him to play drums. He'll be mortified that you would ask him. But, uh, you know, and that was really way out there and, and even some of the choruses we sung. But um, I was telling the youth on, on Friday night, I was here, what a great bunch of young people you got here. And I was telling them, you know, we used to have these things called Mission Sunday. Now, I know you've got a month of missions, but back when I was a kid, Mission Sunday, and probably the first recollection I have of that was when mum and dad took over a church and were pastoring it, and they had their first Mission Sunday, and they didn't get up and talk about missions. They got a missionary to come in and talk. And this is what Mission Sunday used to be, and please stay with me. Um, you realise I'm not a very serious fellow, so um, you meant not to get offended, just laugh. So, so you know, we'd, we'd get this... Um, lovely missionary who'd been overseas and he'd come and remember a thing some of you will remember these things had to explain it to the youth in great detail it's called a slideshow <laughs> not one that you do through your phone and project up on the screen or through a computer remember it's a little little cardboard square that had a piece of film in the middle of it and you put it in this long container or a round thing and then it goes in what's called a slide projector and it goes up on the screen and that if the really really um, far advanced people would have a long string that went to it and they could stand aside and go and it would go up and they could just change it like that. Otherwise, they'd have to go over and pull a little one out and then push it back in and it would stick and it would go and they'd show us slides of their missions trip. And they'd come up and you know, be introduced. This is brother because everyone was called brother back then. This is, we didn't have to remember people's names in church. You know, it's just call them brother but this is brother and uh, he's been over in Africa and he'd get up and go, there I was in the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa. Pygmies on every side. I looked up, a herd of stampeding elephant were coming towards me. All I had in my hand was a machete and the word of the Lord. And I reefed the machete and cut my way through and I waved my Bible and all the elephants gave their life to Christ. You know, like, and here's a picture of me with the elephant. Here's a picture of me with the pygmies. And we'd sit there for about an hour and a half watching the slideshow. Now, again, I want to thank God for all of the people who have gone and served overseas. That was how it was done back then. And we who were in the church back then would applaud and be motivated and one or two would be stirred to go and do missions and the rest of us would be stirred to give money so that we didn't have to go and do missions. <laughs> Can I just tell you, that is not what a missions offering is about. So a missions offering does not get you off the hook. You know, oh, I don't want to go, so I'm going to pay money. Pay money, that's good. Give money towards missions, but it doesn't get you off the hook of being called to be a missionary. This is not even in my notes. This is just for free. We'll get, start, we'll get started in a minute. The missions offering is so that this man can buy this woman a pair of shoes. <laughs> a really expensive pair. Ah, just kidding. So the missions offering is, as was said before, you pray and believe that God will speak to you about sowing a seed for a harvest. 
And, but it doesn't get you off the hook of actually doing things yourself. You know, sometimes when I grew up and, you know, when I was a lot younger, it seemed that I, it probably just was my concept back then, more a misunderstanding. I don't think this was what was preached. But as I sat there with my mum and dad pastoring the church, I'd watch and I'd think, you know, it was all about motivating people to get the opportunity to be up here. But there's a passage of scripture and it was the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples in the book of Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20. It says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is Jesus talking to them, the 11 of them. It says, therefore go. It was the, and, and the title that is written there, this wasn't in the original text obviously, but that's <laughs> written there is the Great Commission. It's not that those 11 only were ever commissioned to go. To me, I read it, I used to read it that way. Oh, if you become a disciple and walk with Jesus all those years, he'll finally say, you go. I don't trust the others, but you go. But these were the 11 that had followed him closely and he commissioned them to go. And I see it now as a picture to all believers that you are commissioned to go. But as it differs to this word up here, missions... It has two letters at the front of it, commission. It's not a mission that you are sent to do on your own. It's a mission that you are sent to do with him. And so the moment you connect with God, you are commissioned to have a mission with him by your side to go to your world wherever that might be. So I'm a simple fella. That's why I wear zip-up boots. I don't have to tie my laces. But I like to simplify, simplify things down for myself. Some of you are looking, oh, can I? I'll show you later. Uh, <laughs> I like to simplify things down a little bit um, so that I understand them. So if this is too simple for you, um, buy your own Bible and go deeper during the week. But uh, I want to talk to you this morning how I look at this whole principle of missions just from a different perspective. So if we can go to the screen, please. I guess the title of my message this morning is called The Power of Lights. Second slide should say, if I've done it right, those who are lost in darkness are drawn to the safety of lights. The next slide should say, ships avoid perilous water and rocks by a light. The next one refers to the fact that lights are used to determine whether traffic should stop wait or go and the next one planes land in safety at night because of lights so I asked this question who is the light and if you'd asked me that as a kid I would say oh Jesus is the light you know and that's partly not wrong I'm sure you can find a scripture to back that up but yes I guess Jesus is the light and being connected to him is the light but I want to throw this verse at you Acts 13 verse 47 says, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. And so instead of me thinking that Jesus is the light that has to shine through me, I've actually been sent by God to be the light so that I can be, there's a verse still up there, yeah, 
I've set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. So for you and I, we need to make sure that we are shining the light and are aware that we are the light. You know, my wife and I have these discussions all the time and look, the last two years, two and a half years, have been pretty tough personally for us as a family and we think, you know, why does God not intervene all the time? Why doesn't he just... Some of you think that. Anybody ever thought that? Why doesn't God just do it? Why does he have to rely on people? Well, that's his plan, folks. And that's, that's where I have to just surrender to his will. You know, being a disciple of Christ and surrendering myself to him and making him the Lord of my life means I have to surrender to his will. And so his will is to do it his way. And so instead of him just being the light, he chose for each one of us to be the light. And as I understand as time goes on, the dark will get darker so the light can shine brighter. So you and I are called to be the light. Your mission is to be the light in your world. The funny thing that I've observed of all the lights I have in my world, none of them actually speak. They will create one one day. (laughs) But at the moment, none of my lights speak. They just shine and radiate the power that is within them. So this takes the pressure off for you with missions or the co-mission with wondering what you're going to say. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't learn more about the scriptures and we shouldn't learn more about what it is, the hope that is within us and how to explain it. But I think sometimes we shy away from doing the Great Commission or living out the Great Commission because we don't know what we're going to say. I was talking to the young people on Friday night and I said one of the first things that I went to is kind of like street witnessing type thing out there and um, we went to Fortitude Valley as a youth, not not Fortitude Valley, King George Square as a youth group and uh, our, our youth pastor at the time had keyed us all up to be a witness and he gave us some key talking points and said right off you go boom and sent us off into King George Square around the fountains that used to be there before it became an arid desert and, uh, and um, so we went and, and I'm full of faith and power because I've got this little track and, um, you know, they give it to somebody and then they'll ask me the questions that my youth pastor said they will ask. They didn't ask those questions at all. First guy I went up to, I gave it to him and I was ready for the answer he was going to ask and he said, why do the Catholics and Protestants fight in Ireland? <laughs> I went, uh, and I tried to come up with this lame explanation. I was like 16 years old. I didn't know what I was talking about. Not that 16-year-olds don't, but this one didn't. I'd never been to Ireland. I couldn't even explain the difference between a Catholic and a Protestant at that stage. And I'm like trying to explain. And then I said, oh, look, mate, I just don't know. I just had to walk away. I did not know. And it kind of put this fear within me that I couldn't be the light anymore or I couldn't be a witness or I couldn't go and do missions because I didn't know the answers to everything. But I want to take that pressure off you today and say you are the light of the world. Don't have to speak, just shine. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Rely on the power that resides in you to do the work. You know, I bought a torch. We went camping. Uh, oh, a couple of week, weekends ago, and a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I bought a torch from BCF. Boating, camping, fishing, <laughs> sponsors. Uh, and I tried to turn it on, 
And for some reason, it wasn't working. And then I opened the back and I realized you actually got to put something in it. (laughs) But as soon as that power got in there, it did the job. I didn't need instructions. The power was in there. And it just radiated. And it not only provided light for me, it's so awesome, it provided light for everybody, even if they didn't want it. (laughs) You know, I was sleeping in the tent with my wife most of the nights, uh, (laughs) if I'd behaved. And, uh, you know, you wake up and you turn the light on, it was shining light for me and for her as well. But she did not want to be in the light. And when you shine your light, sometimes you're going to get a negative reaction because not everybody wants the light. Now, you you don't have to shine the light um, to offend people, but as the light shines through you, not everybody's going to want that. Get that out of my eyes! But as I understand it, none of the lights that I have in my life talk at this stage. (laughs) They just shine. So don't be concerned about what what you're supposed to say. In fact, sometimes it's better to remain silent. Let the power that's in you radiate out in everything you do in everyday life. Lights don't need to explain, they just shine. I thank God for the revivalists that we've had in recent times and in previous years. You know, I heard the story of how Glad Tidings Tabernacle started again years ago. And um, I was talking to my wife, Sherry, and her grandma actually went to because um, I think it was William Booth, William Booth Jr., because there's two William Booths, I think he held a tent crusade in Fortitude Valley in Barry Parade in an open field with a tent, and um, she actually went on a horse and cart from Norman Park to the crusade. She was born in 1910, the crusade was about 1930. And a revival broke out and the meetings went so good that that's how Glad Tidings Tabernacle, which was one of the first Pentecostal churches in Brisbane, started. After that crusade finally was over, there were so many people that were moved by the power of God that they started a church there. So I thank God for people like that. I thank God for people like Mother Teresa and Oral Roberts and Smith Wigglesworth and Benny Hinn and don't come to me later and um, have an argument with me about their theology right now. I don't care. Um, John G. Lake, like I said, William Booth, Billy Graham. Some of you will like some of them, some of you will hate some of them. Irrelevant to me. They are people that have done amazing big things for God over the years. But I kind of think that as I grew up that we relied on those people to do the missions. And we would just put on an event every now and again as a church to try and partner with what they were doing. But I think the days of those people, there will still be people that are doing massive things like that, but the days of relying on those people are gone because the world is growing faster than those people can get around. You know, I have seen millions of people in pictures at a crusade that Reinhard Bonnke used to do and Christ for All Nations now do. And I think, oh, wow, amazing stuff. But that's one person, and even if there's a million people in the service, there's millions that have yet to hear the gospel or have heard it but need someone with light to go and shine beside them. So, God's placed you at this time in the place you are with incredibly important responsibility and job to do. I said this to some of the young people, all of them, the other night. He could have chosen anybody to be in your world right now, but he chose you. And you need to take that upon you with great weight 
you know, he did not need Pastor Jamie to be in your workplace to shine the light. He chose you. Why would he choose him? He doesn't need him. I don't mean that disparagingly, but why would he choose him? He needs you. If he wanted him, he'd have been born at a different time in a different place to come through the world like you did to be there. So shine the light wherever you are and understand that that's why he's got you. So throw off the lampshade, anything that will inhibit the radiation of light. Fear, sin, wrong attitudes, negativity, doubt, and walk in the confidence that God has chosen and empowered you. Turn to the person beside you and say, God has empowered you. that you should be salvation to the ends of the earth. In life, I believe there's two types of miracles and we've got another sign there, uh, another sign, another duva on the wall behind me. Firstly, there's a supernatural miracle and this is, I've written the definition down, a supernatural miracle is where an extraordinary and welcome event that defies natural or scientific laws and is therefore attributed to the divine. This is where God intervenes in the, in the, um, the world and it can only be attributed to God. And so... Those sort of miracles are pretty cool. And if we look at them, um, God wrought those miracles through the hands of his son Jesus, but also the disciples. And um, just so you understand what some of these things were, I've got every miracle of Jesus written down on this piece of paper. But they're things like, you know, Jesus healed lepers, he healed a centurion's servant. Peter's mother-in-law, Peter obviously liked her and asked Jesus to intervene. Um, the two people in Gadarenes, a paralyzed man, a woman who'd been hemorrhaging for 12 years, two blind men, a dumb man, some of you are married to him, uh, a man with a withered hand, a man who was blind, dumb and possessed. You never see in the Bible that he healed a dumb woman because they didn't exist. Uh, <laughs> still don't. All right, come on, it was just a joke. It was a dad joke that didn't work. Heal a Canaanite woman, a boy with epilepsy, uh, epilepsy, Bartimaeus and another blind man, a deaf and dumb man, a man possessed in the synagogue, a blind man, a woman bent double, a man with leprosy, ten lepers, Melchizedek, official son at Capernaum, a sick man at the pool of Bethesda, a man born blind. That was all the physical and mental disorders. Then he calmed a storm, he walked on water, 5,000 people were fed, 4,000 people were fed. Uh, he sent the disciples down and found a coin in a fish's mouth. How cool is that? A fig tree withered, a catch of fish. He turned water into wine. It should have been Coke. Another catch of fish. And then he brought dead back to life. Healed Jairus' daughter, um, uh, widow, uh, widow's son in Nain, and Lazarus. They're just some of the ones that I want to mention this morning. But here's a great verse that goes along with that. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. So God wants to work through you to shine your light to bring healing to other people with divine miracles. They're not miracles that you do. They're miracles that the divine does through you. But there's a second type of miracle that I want to talk about and it's what I call an everyday miracle. And simply put, an everyday miracle is when you do something for someone that they couldn't do themselves. That's still miraculous for them. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you just think, I just can't do it? Oh, you might be in the, the checkout at Eldi and your card has been overdrawn and you can't pay for those groceries. Would it be a miracle or would it not be a miracle that the person behind you realises what's going on and steps up and says, I'll get this one. 
and taps the card. That would be a miracle, would it not? (laughs) Would it be a miracle if you're on the side of the road and your tyre has gone flat and so has your phone and you don't know how to use the jack and somebody stops and pumps up the jack on your car, under your car and changes the tyre for you and sends you on your way because you couldn't do it yourself, would that not be a miracle? And so I think we need to understand that, yes, the divine intervenes in the course of man to do miracles, but God also causes us to shine our light, to do a good deed for people that's a miracle that will bring them closer to a loving God who cares for them. So with that in mind, I'm going all over the place, and this is why I hate giving PowerPoints to people because I never stick to it. Um, But I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. You have it in form, but don't go to it yet, please. I'll read it. Just listen. It's story time with Uncle Steve. Acts 3 verse 1 to 9 says this, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Now Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money, but Peter said, don't have silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, healed and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar that had been so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. From this passage of scripture, I want to give you some things about how you can better shine your light. Just some practical handles to take away. Let's go, what do we got next? You like that? That was perfect, perfect. We stayed back till about midnight rehearsing that on Friday. (laughs) The first thing we need to be if we want to shine our light more is to be attentive. We need to be attentive to the opportunities God is bringing our way. So in this passage of scripture, we read that Peter and John were going to a prayer meeting. They were on their way to something. And it says, oh, you can go to the next one too, thanks. Oh, actually, go back. There we go. Ripper. Oh, yeah, giddy up. When Peter and John... Uh, maybe we go back one more. Yeah, there we go. As they approach the temple. So it says to me that a lot of these things happen on the way. So you need to be attentive to the meeting behind the meeting. Have you ever gone somewhere with the intent and purpose of doing something but then got interrupted? And you just go, don't you realise I'm going to something important? When I went to Bible college, we used to get a fine for being late. We got fined $2 every time we walked in late, even if it was from a break. And what they were trying to teach us was being, you know, punctual and and honouring the time you've been given, which I need to hurry up. But um, one of the guys walked in one day and he said, I stopped to help a lady that was broken down on the side of the road. (laughs) And the guy who was running the the session said, you should have gone earlier so you could have helped her and been here on time. (laughs) Now, you might think, oh, that's harsh. Well, that only cost him two bucks, who cares? But 
We need to be aware and attentive to the opportunities that come across us. Because if you believe that God has called you to be the light in your world, you're the one that's supposed to shine in that moment. So think about it. Be attentive. And my prayer for you this morning is that God would just make this ring in your ears this week as you're going through the checkout at Ellie, as you're going through the drive through at Macca's, as you're going, walking down the street and somebody looks at you um, over the fence and asks you a question, that you'll be aware that this is my moment to shine. The next one. So we've got be attentive, be available to do a good deed. Now again, let's not undersell this everyday miracle thing. Because like I said, if you can do it, it's the miracle that someone might, meet, might need and it might open the door for them to walk across a bridge to find Jesus. Yeah. I'm helping an organisation at the moment, a Christian organisation, and I'm doing some work with them. And, um, and please forgive me if this sounds crass, but this is what the not yet Christian world um, have thought of them. You just want our money or to interfere with our children. That's what the not yet Christian world think of this Christian organisation. So they've gone at it from this thing to do good deeds wherever they can to prove that wrong. Some people have this conspiracy theory about us being a cult in here. That all we want to do is something wrong and underhanded. We're starting a sleeper cell against the government. Perhaps God has put you here to shine his light to do a good deed for somebody out there who does not yet know Jesus. You know, sometimes we're so fast to do good deeds for people of the household of faith, but we need to also do it for people who are not yet of the household of faith because John 3.16 says, for God so loved the church that he gave his only begotten son. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, for God so loved the world. So be available to do a good deed. Verse 7 says, Peter took the lame man by the hand and helped him up. I pray that you'll find someone that you can take by the hand this week and help them up. Help them up. And then the last one. Oh, we'll go to the next one. Next one. Be aware of the power that is resonant within you. Acts 1 verse 8 says, You shall receive. Three of you have got it, that's okay. Acts 1 verse 8 says this, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the earth. Alyssa? In the sound desk? Can you come and rescue the service on the keyboard? Because if you come and start playing, they'll think I'm nearly finished, but I've got about 20 minutes to go. So. <laughs> that word power is what the one, one thing that I want you to be aware of today. The word there is dynamite or dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. So you shall receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then it goes on to saying, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the earth. So let's just talk about that word in closing. Because I've tried to simplify it for myself. Hopefully some of you see it a little bit differently or it just reaffirms in your heart what mission is about. Because I don't feel able in myself to do it. And like the torch, I have to rely that when I press the button, the power's there. When I'm in my moment of walking through my workaday world and I'm on a mission and I'm conscious of that and I'm being aware of what's around me and I'm available to do a good deed or something, I have to be aware that when that need arises, there's a button that presses and the dynamite power of God comes in and does it. 
So that word power can be translated three ways. The ability, efficiency, and might of God. You shall receive ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So when God brings you across somebody's path this week and you want to take them by the hand and lift them up, it's not literally going to be that in that situation, but in their life they need a lift and in yourself you can't do it. You press the button and the power of God is there to help you do it. So you shall receive the ability, the efficiency. You might not feel efficient in your own strength. You don't have the skills. You don't have the education. You don't have the background to be able to help somebody. And that's where we need to refer people. But in that moment, if you're the only person there, God will make you efficient for the purpose. Ability, efficiency, and might. Might is that that dynamite thing. You know... Uh, John G. Lake, I think it was. I've told this story here before. In 1910, throughout the country of Africa, a plague was raging. And I don't want to overstate it, but I think it was something like, you know, almost a quarter of the population had died. And they were paying nurses back in 1910 $1,000 to get on a boat and go over and care for people because they knew they probably would never have to pay them the money because they wouldn't make it home. So John G. Lake decided, well, I'm going to take a team and we're going to go over there, not for the money, but to do the work. So he went over there and it seemed that none of his workers or him got sick and everybody else did. And so they went up to him and said, Mr. Lake, Mr. Lake, what is it about you? What is it about you and your team that you don't seem to get sick and other people are? He goes, oh, my friend, it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. While ever his spirit is flowing through my body, the germs that are attaching themselves, that want to attach themselves to me can't. Because the dynamite power of God, I'm paraphrasing now, is flowing through my life. So they tested it. They took a microscope, pretty primitive at the time, I'm guessing, but they took a microscope and they got some foam from the lungs of somebody who had recently passed and they put it under the microscope. The virus was still alive. Then they took some of that and they wiped the same foam on his hands, then took it off and put it under the microscope on another slide. And all of those germs were dead. That's dynamite power. John G. Lake prayed for a man with a 10-inch fever sore. You know the story's old because I'm still using inches. But 10 inches is about 25 centimetres or somewhere between 22 and a half and 25 centimetres. A sore that big. And so he came to John G. Lake and John G. Lake put his hand on the sore. And when he prayed for the man and took his hand off the sore, the sore was gone but the imprint of a man's hand was still there. That's effective power. He started some healing rooms um, in, I think it was Spokane, I'll, I'll get the place wrong. But he started some healing rooms and when he started these healing rooms, the hospitals were almost empty. And the country that he did, the place that he did that in was known as the healthiest city in the world because not of the power of John G. Lake, but the power of God. When the button was pressed, the power was there to shine the light to the world. So this is, I don't know if this is what Pastor Phil thought, but he's out of range. (laughs) But you are the light and God is the power. So shine your light wherever you go. And my prayer for you this morning is that you will be attentive. You will be aware, you'll be available and you'll operate in the power that God has got for you. And then when you see that happening, you'll open your heart to do more for God. Let's not make it so hard, folks. Let's not make it so hard. You know, I sit at home sometimes and God brings somebody to my mind and I just send them a message. I don't get a response sometimes. And then I had a friend who was going through a really hard time, really hard time, and his life went down the gurgler. And I didn't know. 
And I caught up with him sometime later and he goes, you know what? I was sitting on the edge of my bath one time thinking about ending it all. And as I was sitting there on the phone came through an encouraging message from you. He never responded at the time. I found out years later. I was shining the light the way I could. So shine the light the way you can. So God, I pray with my eyes open that we would be aware of opportunities that come our way. That we wouldn't just be um, thinking missions is an event that we raise money for to send people to another country, although that is one part. Or that it's something that we raise money for so that we don't have to do anything. But we would understand that we are co-laborers with you. We are joint agents with you in a co-mission to bring light to our world. And that there would be testimony from all of the people that sit and hear this this morning and those that are online that they would have testimony to share with others of where they were ready and available and they put their hand out to raise somebody up. And you might intervene and do a divine intervention or it might be an everyday miracle that for that person is an absolute miracle for them. So God, I pray that you'd use us for that end in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I... I know my time is um, minus seven minutes, but there's two things I want to do very quickly. And I love it when people who are guest speakers with a microphone walk over to the person and say, I want to do this, and they nod, because unless he gets up and wrestles this off me, it's happening. (laughs) Or they just go at the back and turn the lights off. There's two things I want to do. When we talk about the presence of God, we talk about it in three ways. There's God everywhere. He's omnipresent. The second thing is, we've talked about it, when God is out there, oh, sorry, I'll go another way. So God's everywhere. Second thing about the presence of God is he wants to be indwelling in you. He doesn't just want to exist. He wants to live in you. That happens when you, when you recognize your distance from God and you think, I, I need to get in relationship with God. So how do I do that? Through his son, Jesus Christ, and submitting your life to him. So you simply have to be willing to surrender and say I've sinned I've failed I want to connect with you God I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me of all that stuff I surrender my life to you and when you do that so that's God's presence out there the Bible says when you do that the fullness of God comes into you so that fullness comes in and then we talk about the power flowing out of you, which was the thing we've already talked about today. So I want to pray a prayer and include anybody either here or online who feels distant from God today. You're not connected with Him in a way you know you should be. You either have been once and you've taken the batteries out and walked away, or you've never, you've, you've had religion, but you've never understood that God wants to live in you and with you and through you. And you say, Steve, include me in that prayer. I want to pray a prayer with you right now. Every time I come here, there's people that want to do that. So if you say, yeah, Steve, that's me. I'm not going to bring you out the front here. I just want to know who's going to join me in this prayer. You say, yeah, Steve, that's me. I've been distant from God and I need to get back there or I've never really been connected with him and I want to be included in your prayer. Is there anyone in the building today that says, yeah, that's me? And we're going to pray a prayer together. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? You say, yeah, I want to be included. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I can't see your hand online, but make sure you get on in touch with someone from the church and tell them you prayed this prayer. Anyone want to join with these six or seven who've raised their hands this morning? Thank you. Anybody else? This is one of the best decisions you'll ever make. 
whether it's the first time you've done it or you're reconnecting with God. So can we all pray this simple prayer right now? All of us together. Um, Particularly for those of you who raise your hand or those of you who are online, there's something supernatural happens when you make a confession with your mouth that you're surrendering your life to God. And so there's a supernatural transaction that's about to take place. Let's all pray this. Dear Heavenly Father, come a bit louder, folks. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me and gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for me. I confess that I've sinned and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me of all that stuff. I willingly submit to you and I ask you to be my Lord, my boss. And I receive you now as my Saviour. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might have the power to live every day for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, God, I pray for those people who prayed that prayer for the first time or second time or raised their hand this morning and even those who didn't but wanted to. I pray that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt when they put their head on their pillow tonight, their sins are forgiven. All the old stuff is gone and new life has begun. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.